we all get stuck in what we should do or what we should have done. The word should can inspire us and it can inhibit us. It can get us moving and it can hold us back. Why is it so hard to move past complacency and get inspired to build the fulfilling future that we want? You are listening to Should Theory. Let's talk it out. Stories, interviews, and more to inform and inspire you towards building the future that you want. Get motivated, figure out how you want to shift, and then get your shift together. I'm Tara Grebe. Let's do this with the Should Theory. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Should Theory. I am Tara Grebe. I am so glad that you're here to listen to more shifts and more people who are willing to forge their own path and go against the grain. Today, I have Bethany Barton. How are you, Bethany? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Bethany's coming to us from sunny California. I don't know if it's sunny, but I always feel like it is. <laughs> it's actually not today, but really, not, yeah, the one day, the one oh day. My goodness. So occasionally sunny California or frequently <laughs> sunny California. Bethany, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So as you said, I'm an LA-based author, freelance writer, and relationship expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a lot of writing about relationships and redefining what that looks like within our society. Um, my book, Apologies I Never Got, is about dating and relationship horror stories, phrased as apologies you never got from the people who never gave them to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and while the book is definitely about the dating and relationship genre, obviously the underlying message is much broader. We don't get apologies from lots of people in our lives. That's right. And yeah. So it's basically learning to write your own apologies for those and learning to kind of let go and eventually get to a state of forgiveness. So you're not kind of dragging all of that around with your whole it. life. Yeah, absolutely. So let's backtrack. Uh, I'm excited to talk about the end product here, but let's backtrack to uh, how you got here. So where were you that you knew something had to change? Yeah, I mean, it really was kind of a process of a couple years of really just breaking down over time. And it kind of escalated when um, I was working in social work in Austin in Texas and Um, in a relationship that didn't feel right, in a place that didn't feel right, um, just dealing with a lot of demons, really, Mm -hmm. and a lot of bad relationships with my family and my upbringing, and then bringing in, um, you know, romantic partners that were really similar dynamics to that. Right. And, you know, just being really angry and not feeling like I was in a good place and knowing that social work wasn't really my calling but just not really knowing what to do until, you know, finally just over time kind of breaking down. And that was kind of when I broke ties with Austin and moved out here to Los Angeles and really just started picking up my writing and, you know, really finding my outlet through that and through um, meditation and yoga and just really connecting more with what I truly wanted out of this life. So I'm hearing a couple of shifts here. Um, I mean, the first one is moving from Austin, Texas to LA for some is in itself uh, a huge change on many levels. So what drew you to LA? It really was hard to explain. It 
um, I mean, it is big for writing as far as, you know, scripts and things like yeah. that, but it's really not necessarily a, a book writing hub, but yeah. I just kind of felt like something here was, was really pulling me. Um, and I had a few friends out here that had been kind of, you know, trying to convince me to do it for a while. And then, um, you know, I quit my job in social work in Austin. My lease was up. I was, you know, I ended this relationship and I just kind of ran out of reasons why not. So. Yeah. I love that statement, right? In in and of itself, I ran out of reasons why not. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that we're talking about this because um, so many of the people that I talk to are doing what I would call career shifts. And they're not all career per se. They're still an overall life shift because in many ways, you know, when you change your career path, you're also changing your income level. And then that spreads into all the other parts of your life. But um, <clears throat> I say it all the time that sometimes that feeling of I should stay, I should go, I should make a change are in relationships. And mm -hmm. Um, not in your career. You know, you could be completely happy with what you do for a living and and the other parts of your life, but you feel you need to make a change um, in your in your romantic relationships or your familial relationships. And so, um, you know, I think it's really important that the listeners hear about that portion of your story, number one. And number two, what a great statement you just made. I ran out of reasons why not to. How often do we try to convince ourselves, right? Yeah. Well, for these reasons, it's not a good idea. And and to actually be able to say, I ran out of reasons why not. Yeah. That's huge. It is huge. So you moved out to LA and uh, talk a little bit about just getting on your feet out there and, and setting up shop or setting up whatever your process was. Because, you know, I guess my first question is, did you look for a job of some kind to bring in income while you figured out what was next? No. And see, that's where I would actually caution people. Like, I don't feel like I maybe did it the best way. It's good to know. That's, yeah, um, I didn't. I really just took a giant leap. Um, and it did, it did work out in the end, but it was probably not the easiest way to have done it. Right. Um, and then I also have noticed just kind of in my own life, I don't know if it's some sort of karma. I'm not really sure mm -hmm. if it's because of an Aries, I don't know, but I am actually pretty adept at very quick moves, like, you know, kind of being up against it and being able to, to pull things out. And I'm a little more comfortable in that than I think most people are. Like, mm -hmm. usually when I tell people like, oh, yeah, I had to move in like a two-week span or whatever, people are like, that's horrifying. And I'm yeah. like, oh, is it? But like, right, you know. right. <laughs> but even for me, that this, the way I moved to LA was a little bit much. Well, like, I probably I wouldn't say. do it that way again. <laughs> you nailed that. You nailed it right on the head, which is, you know, for you. You know, so for you, a two week span is nothing for me. Oh my God, that would be like, yeah. a no, I need, I need yeah. time to pack. I need time to decide what I'm not bringing, what I am bringing. I mean, that in itself could take an entire month. So <laughs> yeah. the, I, I can see where, um, you know, that can intimidate people. But I think that's the clear message is, you know, your time frame of two weeks worked for you and someone else's time frame might be a month it might be six months but that doesn't mean that you don't do it and start the process 
Yeah. And I do think that there are times where we do have to take some leaps where we don't know exactly where we're going to land or Mm -hmm. we don't see the path. But I think in the process of, of this, I've really learned that it's a balance. Like some of it I could have controlled a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I would encourage people who want to make that kind of life change is, you know, plan what you can do what you can. And then there might be still some pieces that have to fall into place, but, you know, try to do what you can to, to minimize your own stress level and making the change. Right. It's never going to be perfect. Like anytime you leave a career or a city or a relationship, like, you know, there's not always going to be some magic time of, you know, it's going to feel perfect. Like there's going to be some discomfort no matter what, because you're moving halfway across the country or right. you're leaving a relationship or you're leaving a, a safety blanket job. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's going to be uncomfortable, but I feel like if you can manage the discomfort, right. then it's not as like <laughs> so, <laughs> intense. Right. So for you, you, um, <clears throat> you moved out to LA, you knew a couple people. Was it like sleeping on couches while you found a place to land or what was that initial setup look like, looking like? Um, it was actually staying with my friend in her guest room mm-hmm. um, for like two months. And then I was able to find my own space like space and I had savings and different things Mm -hmm. um, that did allow me, you know, somewhat of a smoother transition from there. But, um, but even so the two months out of friends was, was really hard (laughs) because, you know, it's hard. Yeah. You're in somebody else's space. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I kind of put a lot on my plate of having to figure out work. I mean, I did have savings, but still like, Finding work, finding an apartment in LA is really its own journey um, of the soul. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. um, I really just put a lot on my plate that I think a little more planning in the in the foreground would have maybe made a little easier. But okay. again, like you know, it got me out here, and that was kind of the point. So, all right. So you get out there, and you spend two months at a friend's. Then you get your own place. How do you set up as what you're doing now? I mean, that took a little while too. I really feel like I was still decompressing from the life I just left mm-hmm. and the family stuff that I'd been running from for a very long time. And, you know, really just, it took me a little bit of breaking down and then starting to build myself back up. And, um, you know, a big part of that was there was, a yoga studio and a meditation studio right down from where my permit was. And I just started going all the time, doing all of these breathwork classes, these meditation classes. And I just started writing and I never thought that I could make a career out of writing. I never Mm -hmm. thought I could make a living. I thought it was like a fun hobby. Right. Um, I didn't know anybody who'd done that, like just from where I grew up and then, you know, even in Austin, um, it's still a lot of like traditional roles that people have in Austin. Sure. Um, it's, you know, LA is really the place where you meet a lot of creative people making livings off of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that really helped inspire me too. just being in this city where if you, if somebody asks you what you do and you say something like, oh, I, I work at blah, blah, blah. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what do you really do? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm a writer. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, it's just like, 
expected almost. It's expected. And like, even if you do have a nine to five or, or something else that you're doing, they still kind of, it's, it's almost understood that you're kind of doing that to help fund whatever else, else you're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. You're an actor, you're a singer, you're trying to get discovered. Yeah. I get something. Yeah. But that was a huge step for me to just openly say like, Oh, I'm a writer because I'd never done that. I'd never said that I'd never owned it really. And so it took like a couple months, like, you know, I would almost kind of like say quietly, like, oh, but like, I like to write, you know? So it took a while for me to actually say like, oh, I'm a writer. And that feels really strange now, but just from the situation I was coming from and my upbringing and different things, like it really just wasn't in my my field. It's really like, not, I didn't know. I don't think that's very unusual, to be honest. I know, um, you know, for me, being in education, mostly for most of my life as a professional, um, and then something as simple as changing my socials to say, you know, educated, educational leader, then comma, podcast host. I can remember mm-hmm. even just something as simple as putting that on my social media, no announcement, no fanfare. I just did this little switch that in reality, 8,000 people would never notice, right? Yeah. But pushing that button and making it so to the public, right, was like, mm-hmm. oh my God judgment what are people gonna think that feels weird is that the right thing yeah so I totally understand what you're saying about you know saying it out loud and owning it um is actually a huge step that I think people diminish in in difficulty and or being able to do it and feeling accomplished that now you say it yeah yeah but I really do think the saying it is kind of what helps bring it in it does you know, and for a lot of reasons, you know, energetically, or even just, you know, the more you say like, oh, I'm a writer, then people, you know, kind of think of you when something comes up, like, oh, my friend needs help with this copywriting project for their business. And they're like, oh, you're a writer. Can you help them with that? Like, you know, even just on a normal playing field of like networking, it just, yeah, yeah, networking, it, it makes people really start to think of you that way. So I think, putting it out there is what helps bring it back in too. Do you think that switching locations, well, I think the answer is yes, because you said Austin is still very traditional, but I I would imagine that trying to do exactly what you already did, what you've done, but staying in Austin would have been slower or more difficult. I don't know. I do think about that a lot. I think, I think so just because of, I mean, Austin is very, like a creative it's big music scene and all of that but it's still it's LA is just a very different yeah vibe you know people seek it out here because they're creative because they have these things they want to do and I wonder so I think for me yeah I wonder if you know even someone else might have been able to but for you personally you needed that whole change not just the career change and the relationship change yeah yeah I think it it really kind of depends, Mm -hmm. you know, on everyone's journey, like, yeah, you know, how, how you're able to do it. And, you know, maybe some people could have done it in Austin, but I, you couldn't, I don't know. I want to spend a, a good amount of time on your book and, and the things that you do, because I do think that there are people who listen 
for whom it is relationship shifts that they feel they need to make. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that, what your book, how you got there and what you do now? Yeah. So like I said, the book is um, Apologies I Never Got. Mm -hmm. And that really just focuses in on, you know, when we hold on to these grudges and these resentments from past relationships, A, they don't hurt the person that we're holding them against. Mm -hmm. They only hurt us. Mm -hmm. And B, we drag them around into our new relationships. Right. You know, and once again, that really just hurts us. And so the point of the book is really learning to let go of those things. You know, not saying that what those people did was okay or fine, but learning that you have to be the one to let that go Mm -hmm. because you're probably not going to get that apology. Right. And even if you do, it's probably not going to help, honestly. Or it'll be super, you know, yeah, it'll be superficial or, I mean, it just doesn't take the pain away the way that I think we want it to. Right. And I agree with what you said, that it's not just romantic relationships. It can be parents. It can be work relationships where you put your soul into a place for a long time and you're not appreciated. And then you feel anger from that, you know, and you're actually yeah. an apology from there for sure. Yeah. I actually had a person reach out to me, um, who had a doctor that injured them in surgery mm. and it was like a big malpractice. And I think they did end up, he did end up getting some sort of reimbursement, but, um, he reached out to me because he just talked about like the anger yeah. that he had had and his mother had had at this doctor and that at one point his mother was just in their attorney's office and said, I just want this doctor to apologize. And the attorney goes, you're not going to get that. Yeah. Like you're never going to get that because if he does that, he's admitting fault and he'll have to pay a lot more. Well, and that's huge for people. So, so what are some tips that you give to people when they're in that place where they need to, I don't know if forgive is the right word, but they need to let go. Yeah. I really try to help them refocus it of, this hurts you, right? Like this doesn't hurt them because that's the main thing. They, it's almost like, you know, the resentment is like, I want them to hurt. Like I'm hurting. I want them to feel like I feel right. And that's not going to happen, you know? And so just to kind of reframe it of you don't deserve this. You don't deserve a life that is fueled by this hatred, by this resentment, because that keeps you stuck, Mm -hmm. then you're not happy. You're not living the life that you deserve to live. You don't deserve this pain. They've hurt you enough. Right. So learning that it's not about even necessarily the forgiveness isn't so much about that other person. It's about healing yourself so that you can go on with your life and live it in a really positive way, you know, and anger and resentment. That's a horrible feeling. Absolutely. You know, and people carry that for years, lifetimes, you know, they die with it. Like, absolutely, you know, and that's, you know, it shows up in our lives in a lot of ways, whether it's, you know, we can't see opportunities around us because we're so focused on this anger. We can't move on in relationships. We can't form a new life. We're just, it just keeps us so stuck. It and really it's hard does. to see that. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to see that when you're in it because you're just so fueled by that anger. Yeah. But yeah, you want, and it's, you know, do you want revenge? Do you want resolution? 
<laughs> do you want to slash what's that Carrie Underwood song right you're tires and all the things like and I think if you were to do those things you still would not let go yeah they don't help they really don't that's another part in the book that I talk about with um you know with the x factor of like I get it you want to slash their tires you want to Facebook stalk their new like girlfriend you want to like tell their mom all the horrible things and it's like but none of that (laughs) helps you None of that's going to take the pain away. None of it's going right. to make them come back. It's, like, a, it's an internal it's, journey that you have to go through to get yeah. yourself to a place where you can make that change and, and let go and move forward. And I think that's that's the struggle for everybody with any life change that they feel like they need to make, no matter what it is. I've heard it time and time again in talking to people for this show is coming to terms with the discomfort. And then giving yourself permission to release it and then... Hey, it's Tara. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. But I have a question for you. How do you handle adversity? Challenges? Self-doubt? How about setbacks? Yeah, same with me. That is why I created my new course called Overcoming Obstacles. It helps you build grit, resilience, determination, and find a way to work through those challenges without wanting to quit towards that goal that you're working for. And here's the best part. It is a completely independent, self-paced course. Four modules, 20 lessons, and extra worksheets and affirmations to help you along the way. Do it in your way, at your pace, whenever you want, and however you want. Go to www.terragreeve.com or find the link in the show notes learn more about my program and get started overcoming those obstacles so you can move closer to that goal you've set for yourself. Now let's get back to this episode. And grow in a different direction. Right, right. And sitting in that space of non-judgment with yourself, like you know, these are really natural reactions that all humans have. Like if a doctor injured you during surgery, of course, you're going to be angry. If your ex or, you know, when you were dating, they slept with your best friend. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah you're going to be, you're going to be mad about that. Like, uh, of course, yeah. then you're, you're going to have these very human thoughts of, I want to slash their tires. I want <laughs> to make them hurt. Right. <laughs> like I want yeah, like, hurt like, I you know, hurt. yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, some acceptance of, you know, that's a pretty normal reaction, but learning to move past it. So sitting in the non-judgment of how we feel, we're going to feel how we're going to feel. And then, but learning that, you know, that goes, if you let it, it's energy, right? It just wants to move. So if you let it move, then you can go on and, you know, what's a better outcome for your life? Are you gonna, are you more happy sitting there Facebook stalking them? Or would you be happier finally letting them go and moving on and finding someone who is a good fit for you. Absolutely. Who does treat you well. Right. <laughs> you know, right. would you rather be sitting at home in front of your computer angry or would you rather be out in Malibu with your new bow? Like, <laughs> pick a life, you know, like yeah. <laughs> these are your choices yeah. and people, but when you're in it, you don't see it that way. But like, you know, when you can take a step back, you're like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like, you know, it I'm, really is. A I'm admitting that it's you that needs to let go is probably hard as well. You know, you spend so much time and energy on who wronged you and placing the blame on them that, um, that, you know, 
it takes a few moments to own it yourself. And that's not always easy to do. You know, I'll talk all the time about uh, in a different realm, you know, landing in education. I had different aspirations when I was first going off to college and my parents were scared to death that I was going to, you know, pick a life that would be more challenging um, in landing something solid, reliable, all the things. And so for years, I would say, well, I'm in the career my parents wanted me to have. And that was pushing it off on them, pushing it off on them. And it was only in the last couple of years where I made the realization, well, I didn't stand up for myself either. I didn't say, no, I know that's what you want for me and I get why, but I'm doing this anyway, or I'm going to try my idea for a few years and then I'll try yours. So, you know, that was a huge mountain for me to, to get over because it's so much easier to say, well, I listened to my parents when I was young and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, but there was other components to it. So I think in all of those areas for someone to be able to, you know, it's easier to blame someone else and say, they did this to me and that's why I feel this way. Yeah, because if you own that you can control the outcome, then that's a lot of responsibility on you. And it's hard. It's definitely hard. But I think we definitely have a lot more control of our lives than we let ourselves think. And we have a lot more control over our relationships. Right. Than what we think. You know, we and that's kind of the same as the apology. Like we think we're stuck waiting for that apology. But it's like, no, we have control over that. Right. We can say, I don't, I don't need your apology. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure this out for myself. Absolutely. And yeah. But it's hard to see that, you know, and it, it takes time or to see really... it and want to do something about it. Cause you can see, right. Like, nope. Still their fault. I see it. Yeah. Not going there. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. I mean, I relate to that. Social work was my mother's choice for me. Yeah. And, and she really, really, really pushed it and, and really kind of made me believe there was nothing else I could do. But here's the other thing I'm going to say, there's so much of, of social work that I guarantee helps you create the processes that you use to help people with what you're doing now. I mean, there's a lot of, I'm going to call it counseling, um, Mm -hmm. you know, components that go with helping someone see everything that you're talking about now. So it's not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that that's clear now, but like the moment you want to talk about resentment, yeah. <laughs> like, right. you pushed me into this. I hated it. It was so bad for me. Like, you yeah. know, and, but it takes, you know, time to kind of come out of that. Really and does. it took, you know, and it took me taking control of my life and saying like, no, I have other options I can do. And then just doing them and like not waiting for the permission of parents or anyone else to just start. Because I make more from writing than I ever did in social work or ever probably would have. I mean, you know, I didn't have a master's in it, Mm -hmm. so that might have made a difference. But even so, like, you know, my writing is a lot more abundant than anything else I've ever done. Um, So I want to throw my questions at you that I love to throw at people and see what your take is on them. Um, So the first one is what negative shoulds will ring in your ears every now and then and make you second guess yourself still to this day? Um, I think kind of my big one is still, you should play it safe. Mm. 
you should stay, you know, again, or stay with the grain. Like that's still yes. one that pops up. But anytime you go against the grain, you're going against a huge wave, you know, so you're going to have that come up mm-hmm. over and over and over. So it gets a little quieter as time goes on. And, you know, as I get more successful going against the grain, it kind of helps you feel like you're going the right way. But every now and then I still, you know, if I turn down a job or if I, you know, I'm like, well, it's income. Like, should I, should I play it safe and take it? Right. And it's like, you know, so that still always is going to be. Well, staying true to your, your direction and not caving to the money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with my writing, that's been more recently, even kind of a struggle. Um, because with my writing, I really try to keep it in alignment with what I genuinely believe. Mm-hmm. And um, I had recently gotten an offer um, for a pretty solid amount of money, but it was really like almost like the antithesis of what I genuinely okay. believe in relationships. Like um, it was kind of one of these um, like super hyper masculine uh, relationship advice type people who was like, oh, you know, don't text him first and don't, don't come across this way. And like, you know, I really write completely against Mm -hmm. that. Like, I don't believe that at Mm -hmm. all. Um, And, but it was, you know, so much money that I was like, well, and I don't even know why he would want to hire me. Like, obviously none of my stuff agrees with what he says, but, um, and we tried it out and it was just horrible. It was just horrible. And I feel like it was such a reminder to me of staying true staying true and the should of oh you should take it because it's a lot of money it's like just a little slap reminder of like nope (laughs) such a great example so on the positive side though and and maybe this comes from that too what positive shoulds still motivate you and get you going yeah I think you should follow your own path you know you should follow what feels right to you because every time I do that and it's successful, it's it's still that little boost of like, okay, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the right direction, you know? Yeah, I love that. So now that you are in LA and you have your book and you have success and you're making more money than you ever made as a social worker, what advice would you give to Bethany in Austin who knew she needed to make a change? I think I would really tell her, I think as I tell a lot of people who want to start writing or, or trying to figure out how to freelance like that, um, you know, you don't have to do one or the other necessarily. Like you can start that while you're still in that nine to five Mm. job. There might be a point where you have to break and take the leap of faith that you can support yourself with your writing, but, or you're painting or whatever it is that you're doing but I would always and wish I told myself like just start even if it's like one weekend day or one morning a week like whatever it is like once you can get that momentum Mm -hmm. you know you it doesn't have to be one or the other you don't have to define yourself like oh but I'm an accountant I can't also be a painter right it's like no, you can do whatever you want. Whose rules are these? Like, I love that. And it's so funny because that is more often than not um, the overarching theme that I hear when I ask people 
what would you say to your old self before you started this journey? And it's always something in that wheelhouse of, I wish I would have started sooner or just do it, just take the step. Or it's not as scary as you think it is. It's, you know, now that you're on the other side of it and you look back, you go, what the heck was I freaking out about? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And even if it was a hard journey, uh, that hard journey was still, I've had people say the hard journey, figuring it out and taking the steps was still better than the bad spot they were in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that is, that is sage advice and, and the same thing I've heard time and time again. So in that wheelhouse, what is the best advice you've ever gotten that you still rely on? Um, it is actually kind of in that wheelhouse. I think it was, um, I think her name is Kathy Heller. She does yeah. the, don't, yeah, the don't keep your day job. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think about that all the time when I am starting something new. Um, I think she's like phrases it like, just do it messy. Mm-hmm. Like just put it out there. And I feel like it really is the best advice I've ever gotten. Because, I say it like, all the time. Yeah. Just no matter what you're doing, like you learn as you go, it'll get better as you go. But like, you've just got to start and put it out there. And that's how you learn what works and what doesn't. And you know, it's okay if it's not perfect. It's okay if it's not even that good. <laughs> like, you know, at the first try, like, so yeah, just and that, start. That just don't do keep it. your day job community is where you and I found each other. And, and Kathy is fantastic in that regard of just mm-hmm. help, encouraging people to just go for it and figure it out as you do it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah. messy is better than not at all, you know, Oh, absolutely. Going for a half mile walk because that's all you can do is better than staying on the couch, you know, and, and it's the same mindset. So I absolutely love that you said that. So Bethany, if people want your book uh, or anything else that you do, how are they going to find you? Yeah. So they can just go to bethanynicole.com. So it's B-T-H-A-N-Y-N-I-C-O-L-E. Mm-hmm. And that has all the info about the book's release date. Um, that has all of the other articles and things I write. That has I have some published poetry. Um, that's in some anthologies. So you can purchase those books from that site. So like everything is really just kind of there. <laughs> so and all the other podcasts I've done. And if people want you to help guide them through a relationship evolution, they can find that there as well. Yeah, you can book me for things like that uh, for one-on-ones. Everything is is really just kind of in the site. That is and, awesome. Uh, and we'll yeah, I have people just kind of send a message, and then we'll see if it's kind of a good fit. Absolutely. Um, and I will have yeah. that website linked in the show notes to this episode. It has been so much fun to talk to you. And like I said, when we first got going, um, you know, I really think that it's. It's been refreshing because, like I said, so often we focus on uh, surely on career change. And although you did do a career change and make a career change, I think that the message that you give about how to shift out of relationships that no longer serve you, be they romantic, familial, or work relationships, and how to let go of the anger you have as a result uh, is a huge thing that people really need to work through. Um, but I like to highlight the cool things that were said while we were talking. Um, 
So here are some things that you said. Number one, you said, I didn't think I could make a career writing, and yet you make more than you ever made as a social worker now. You talked about um, how it was a huge step just to say, I am a writer and own it. And so sometimes just putting it out there into words and into the universe and saying, this is who I am, is a huge part of the battle. Um, You talked about if you own the fact that you control the outcome, then yes, there is more responsibility for you, but that's the steps that you need to take in the process. Um, You mentioned not waiting for permission from parents or anyone else to start what you knew you needed to do. And that was, that's a big one because a lot of times we fear that judgment. You talked about having a balance between leaps and plans, meaning plan what you can, but be willing to leap if that's what you need to get the push and go. My favorite thing that you said, I ran out of reasons why not. I love that. (laughs) Um, And then as far as advice goes, you said uh, the negative should for you is you should play it safe. You should stay with the grain, but you realize you overcome it by reminding yourself that you should follow what feels right to you. Um, We both love Kathy Heller's message of just do it messy and put it out there. And a reminder to old you, which is you don't have to pick one or the other, just start. And you also said, which was cool, whose rules are these? (laughs) Nobody. So thank you so much for all of those great bits of insight that you shared with us. Bethany's book that is coming out is called Apologies That I Never Got. I think that that is a huge, huge learning curve for so many people because it's just place. We all want apologies from people that have wronged us in the past. And uh, boy, I bet that's a really good read. So please go to BethanyNicole.com and check out everything that Bethany has to offer. I'm so glad that you were with me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to talk to you again sometime. Thank you so much for being on it.